Psychology Nerds, and welcome to another season of Psychology and Stuff, the podcast out of Phoenix Studios at the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. I'm Ryan Martin, host of Psychology and Stuff, and I'm here, as always, with my co-host, my friend, and chair of the psychology program here at University of Wisconsin, Green Bay, Dr. Georgina Wilson-Jungis. How's it going, G? It is going great. It's the beginning of another school year, a beginning of another season, and I'm so excited. It's a great time of year. Um, it's one of my favorite times of year. And am I right that this, maybe I shouldn't bring this up, but am I right that this is the first time in probably 20 plus years that you don't have a kid starting school? Yes. And in fact, I was uh, thinking about that, uh, that it's kind of strange, but it is my 50th first day of school. Uh, I celebrated last week. I've been in school straight for 50 years. Uh, so that was a, a big celebration, but it is kind of weird not to have kids to take yeah. a first day of school pick with. I saw that the picture you took in front of the the Phoenix sculpture, who I've named Floyd, even though I'm pretty sure that's not his name, but I, I, I think I'm the only person who calls him Floyd and I spell it P-H uh, in my head. I uh, love that. Yeah. So I saw that picture of you in front of Floyd, uh, a great picture. I kind of wanted you to be holding up a sign though that said like first day of 50th year of school. 50th first um, day of school. Yes. So I would have taken a first day of school pick, but today is actually my first day of classes because I was sick on uh, the first day and yes. decided um, it was not COVID, I'm thankful for, but it was COVID-like and I was anxious about things. So uh, no no first day of pick, uh, first day of school pick for me. But so speaking of uh, the history of things, I um, <laughs> was looking at it. Gee, this is the eighth season of the Psychology and Stuff podcast. Crazy. We, I know, I know. It was wild. I um I, I had to go back and dig into some some stats here to figure that out, to be honest with you. Um, this is number episode number 121. I went back yesterday and listened to our very first episode. Um, and you were the guest, uh, <laughs> if you remember that. We were recording on an iPad. Uh, in the office uh, right behind me here. And um, uh, I think our, our Hollis Reynolds, former student Hollis Reynolds joined us for that episode. Um, no intro music, pretty rough, but fun <laughs> stuff. So anyways, thank you very much for being with us from the start and then joining me on this journey. Uh, we've got another really, really exciting uh, season ahead of us, I know, um, starting with today. So. That is awesome. So thanks for that, um, like a stroll through uh, history. It's great to know where we come from. And I cannot believe 121 <laughs> episodes is just uh, a lot. But I was thinking back to the 100th episode and our um, 100th episode celebration was really fun as well. That was, you know what, I'm going to re-release that episode at some point because that was really cool. We brought back a bunch of all stars and, and had... Um, uh, a lot of fun talking about the most important things in psychology. So I'll re-release that someday soon uh, for people to, to check out. Very Let's cool. get to our guest today, though. Our guest today has a PhD in educational psychology, cognitive and developmental sciences from UW-Milwaukee. Her research area of interest is deaf identity development. And when she's not doing that, her two young sons keep her very busy. She enjoys swimming, book clubs, languages, and travel. She's here today to talk about growth versus fixed mindsets, 
It's Dr. McRae Houston. How's it going, McRae? It is going all right. Good morning, and thanks for having me with you guys today. Thanks for being here. I'm really, really excited to talk with you. This is the season um, where I think these concepts are in full effect with kids going back to school. Um, gets uh, a lot of people talking about it. Um, before we get to that, though, maybe you could just tell people a little bit about yourself and what you do. I am a professor of psychology, and I mainly work with the Sheboygan, Marinette, and Manitowoc campuses and the psych majors on those campuses. And um, so I cover a lot of developmental classes, cultural psychology, um, some psychopathology, things like that. And I research deaf identity development, so especially the context of when hearing parents have deaf children, how they can support that child's deaf cultural identity development and connect them to deaf culture and deaf mentors and how that leads to more positive outcomes for the child. Um, so that's kind of my research exp um, area of interest due to my love of sign language, really. Wow. Um, that's kind of what led me down that journey. Um, and I chase children around. I <laughs> <laughs> Kind of an old mom, and I've got these little boys that run me ragged, but we're having a great time with it too. So, oh, uh, that's awesome. That so, is very cool. I was going to say that the reason why we chose the topic that we're talking about today, the growth and the fixed mindset, actually comes from one of our um, our fellow colleagues, Jason Cowell, uh, who told me that his um, his daughter, who is uh, a kindergartner, a first time kindergartner, uh, when he went to parent orientation, they were talking about um, this concept of growth and fixed mindsets. And he's like, wow, that's what I do. Like, this is me. <laughs> this is my job. And so uh, I thought it would be really great um, to talk about this, uh, this concept as we ha all head back to school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And you know, I think what I would love to do is define it for people right out of the gate. So if you could give people a description of, of kind of what is a, a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, that would be a good place to start. All right. Well, the research comes primarily from a professor from Stanford named Carol Dweck, and her research looks at how people respond to challenges and how some people are successful and others maybe give up along the way was kind of, you know, what led her into her field and what motivated people to keep trying. Um, so when we have this distinction that she's come up with, these two different mindsets, so it's two different kind of perspectives or lenses that people might be looking through when they're looking at challenges and things like that. The fixed mindset is one that's really about innate characteristics. So commonly we're talking about intelligence, but this absolutely applies to like sports and personality and social skills and many other domains. But when we're talking about this prototypical example of intelligence, the idea is you're really smart. You were born with you know a lot of talent or less talent or less intelligence, and that it's a fixed trait that doesn't change. You either have it or you don't have it. And that kind of leads down the road to if you don't have it, why bother trying kind of mentality versus the growth mindset says, keep on learning. Your intelligence is going to keep growing, keep making new connections, new strategies, um, picking up new skills. And that intelligence grows and grows and grows. So we're going to see that it plays out very differently and leads to different outcomes, depending on which of those two mindsets you had the fixed. That's a, a trait that doesn't change or growth that it's ever changing. Mm -hmm. 
And something that's really interesting about this just from the get-go is that I teach um, introductory statistics. And uh, for 28 years, I've been doing this and I, I, I see it happen every single semester with so many students where they come into the class and the first thing they say is like, I, I, I suck at math. And so, you know, like be prepared. They, they warn me, the, the teacher, that they're going to suck and that it's just the, the way it is. And I think um, a lot of students, even college students, have a fixed mindset, particularly about math, uh, which is such a, a, a thing. And so I, I've actually addressed that from the on the first day of class for like, 28 years and I still see it happening. Um, what's up with that? Like, why, why do you think it's happening so much? And side note also, anytime a student tells me they're about to take intro to stats, I immediately jump into a pep talk also because so many of us <laughs> shut down and just decide, nope, it's hard. I can't do it. And just set themselves up to fail with how they pursue it. And from, from my teaching experience, I had, you know, this aha moment with growth mindset a few years ago, I was teaching at UW Oshkosh and I had handed out, um, I like to just incorporate some research literacy into all my classes. Just, it's just something I do by habit. So I'd handed out a correlational table, a table that shows how these various um, variables in a, somebody's research study were correlated and the plan was, and it had descriptives too. So as a class, we would say, what was the mean of this variable and how was self-esteem correlated with depression or whatever it was? And we just kind of practiced the skill of interpreting those um, tables. And that's just something I like to do. So I noticed I handed out this table to a bunch of people and at least three students, I saw just take one look at it and just shove it away and cross their arms and they were just done. And I was just heartbroken seeing that I'm like okay so I don't need to teach how to read a table I need to teach growth mindset first because you just completely stop the leaning process right there so I think it's coming from a lot of places um Carol Dweck's research kind of started in reaction to the 1990s um, self-esteem movement the whole everybody gets a trophy everybody's special everybody's wonderful and there was this push to really build your kids confidence by telling them how wonderful they are to make them feel accepted and loved and that was very well-intentioned, and you can see how that sounds great, but it set them up to focus on that judgment and that evaluation of, am I good enough or not? And like that label of, oh, you're so smart, or oh, that was so easy for you, and focusing on that, and that drives people into a fixed mindset. We might have like a natural tendency to be more fixed or growth. It is a continuum. It's not so black and white. And it is across different domains. You might be very fixed about intelligent, but very growth about sports or something like that. But um, it we are very responsive to the messages we're getting though, the messages we give ourselves, which is something that our students need to focus on, but also all those messages we receive from parents and teachers and coaches are shaping that. So people are focusing on that judgment piece and that evaluation of, oh, you're so good at this, you're such a natural, you're so smart. You then get stuck in that mindset of thinking that, oh, these are traits that are what my self-esteem is based on. And if anything threatens that, that threatens my worth and my self-esteem and who I am. So you run away from challenges. You don't, you only want to do easy things that make you look good. So I think there's been a whole parenting movement that's kind of, we're seeing the backlash of, uh, and just this focusing on outcomes and focusing on those 
judgments instead of the process and the steps students are taking is part of it. <laughs> I, I have a, a billion questions, some of some of which you you uh, answered just then, but I'm going to come back to in a second. But I want to start with um, how can it be how can it be changed? What are the you know, at, at the risk of saying, hey, is growth mindset fixed? Um, how, how does it <laughs> <laughs> how does it um how can we how can students change and I, I got more questions about over time but let's start there uh, and the beauty is for looking at our student body of you know adults that can be learning about this just hearing this podcast can start changing their mindset just calling attention to that and realizing it and starting to identify it is huge and as teachers the messages we're using you know giving this speech about how no you're not bad at math so give up you know but like this is a hard subject that you need to learn the strategies you need to learn the fundamentals it's baby steps that's going to build on it and we work on that together you know and seeking out strategies and seeking out help is all part of the growth mindset fixed mindset when it hits that challenge it gives up and and it just this challenges my ego this challenges my self-esteem I don't want to try because I might fail and that'll hurt my self-esteem so having that in place of like let's talk strategies and the messages that parents teachers coaches can be giving is focusing on those steps that you're taking like wow I see you tried several different strategies to work that out way to go like they might not have gotten the right answer in your statistics class but okay look at all this work you did to make take these steps okay now let's find some other steps and other strategies and keep moving forward um, but yeah, the message is just being aware of it. And the studies that Dwick has done with younger children and actually throughout the elementary, middle and high school ages, she has this thing she calls brainology that she teaches kids basically about neuroplasticity. So at whatever age appropriate language she needs to use, she talks about as you learn new things, as you try new things, there's new neural connections being made in your brain. And the more connections you're making, the stronger that, like a stronger muscle, the smarter that part of your brain is getting. So again, it's not fixed, you're smart or not smart, but as you keep building these connections, you get smarter and smarter. And the students that learned that, they had either two interventions. One was teaching study strategies and one was teaching this brainology, you know, neuroplasticity idea. And those that realized that, wow, the more I do, the smarter I'm getting and like understanding that there's these new connections in my brain, those students did better and tried harder and persevered longer, which is the huge part that we're shooting for here is the not giving up. Um, so actually like teaching that directly Another intervention they tried in a research was um, they were doing a, this really challenging math unit. And while they were teaching it, they added in just little history lessons about the mathematicians that came up with the theorems and stuff like that. And for one group, they would just say like, this person was just a natural. They were so amazingly gifted at math and they just came up with all this great stuff. And the other one's like, they tried and failed. They worked as a team. They kept working. And like, and one of them just showed the story of the struggle to get brilliant at it. Whereas the other one was like, it was a natural. And the two groups picked up on just the subtlety of this backstory that was built into the lesson. And the group that had the group, the growth mindset persevered longer and did better and kept trying more strategies and was more successful. That's, that's really fascinating. Cause all of a sudden I'm thinking about all of the, so many of the movies about genius and they often really, I'm thinking like Goodwill Hunting, um, actually another one, uh, Queen of Katwe about a chess prodigy. If you're, from, it's a really, really, actually a really good movie, but they all send a, a fairly consistent message, which is this, 
this talent is something you're born with, you don't necessarily have to work at it. In both of the cases I just mentioned, the barriers are actually external to the person, right? The barriers they're experience are, are societal barriers, but they have this innate talent. And so I'm thinking about the the messaging that must send and other films like it must send to uh, to to children. And it's not that there aren't individual differences. Of course, mm -hmm. some people have greater you know, natural abilities in some things than others, but that when you stop at that being the evaluative thing, that's your self-esteem, that's where the problem comes in. Um, Carol Dwick is you know, a professor now, so she often has her students as just part of their curriculum think about someone who's a hero to them, someone they admire and that thinks is so amazing in the field and kind of ask them like, how did this person get to be this amazing athlete or this amazing prodigy of whatever it was? And, you know, they kind of assume, oh, it's this natural talent. It was this gifted thing. And then they have them go find biographies or study the person's actual history to find out, no, this person practiced five hours a day. This person sought out mentors. This person, you know, sought out all these extra challenges and kept pushing themselves more and more and that getting pushed out of your comfort zone and having to stretch yourself is where this growth is going to keep taking you places so she likes to you know counteract all those movies yeah. sending the wrong messages like go find out what really went into this person's success right interesting and i also think like part of that um is the the person's ability to accept criticism. Uh, I even, I never use the word criticism in my, my class. I call it feedback. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I expressly tell people, especially in my stats class where there, there is a right answer, you know, like, um, and sometimes they don't get it. Uh, and I do have to apply grades uh, because that, that is how I, I, teach my classes, uh, giving students grades, but I try and uh, teach them that feedback is actually something to learn from and that I am not telling you you're a terrible person because you got the wrong answer, but rather let's think about like, how did you get to that answer and how could we redirect it? How could you um, go a different path that might lead you to a better answer? Um, you know, like just trying to talk about feedback as a way to grow. Um, and I think that that's a really important lesson that I'm not sure that mm -hmm. students learn along the way. And when I think about feedback, I can like, especially going through graduate school and PhD program, we get a lot of feedback <laughs> and it's very intensely focused on trying to improve your work. So it's not just, eh, that was okay. You know, it's a lot of feedback and like, I can feel myself clenching on the inside of like, this is a personal attack. This doesn't feel good. I just want to run away and cry. Like, and many times where I'd have to be like, I would skim the feedback and I would need to walk away from it for a couple of days because it feels personal. It hurts your feelings. And that is me finding my fixed mindset right there because, you know, that's seeing it as threatening to me and my self-esteem and like, oh my, now it's that I didn't do good enough. I'm not good enough. You know, instead of thinking like, here's ways to make it better. This is someone saying, let me help you make this better. And a more growth mindset would be excited by that and not getting that panicky feeling that I've felt many times myself. So they did, uh, Dweck did another study where she looked at um, EKG readings of brain activity when people were receiving feedback like that. So that all these people involved had just failed at something, they'd gotten their stats answer wrong or whatever it was, and they had feedback to read. Those who had a fixed mindset 
just had no brain activity <laughs> at all as they were reading. They were not engaging with the feedback. They were not processing yeah. it. They were just blocking it and running from it because that is damaging. And it's, you know, something they needed to keep away from themselves. Whereas those with growth mindset were just bright red and active and like really sucking it in and trying to like interpret it and learn from it and grow. And they could see it very vividly, you know, between these different brain, you know, um, yeah. brainwave activity of how yeah. they were responding to it. You know, so I have two friends, a married couple, and they are both actors. And um, she told me once that when it, in their marriage, when they have feedback for one another, uh, she said, you know, because we're both actors, we're both really used to getting feedback. And she said, we now just sort of say to each other, hey, take the note. You know that that that's become a mechanism that when one when they want someone to, I'm making up examples here, but like you know to to remember to turn off lights or take out the garbage or whatever, they just say, "Hey, take the note." You know, and it's funny because we've I have a son who is uh, interested in theater, and so it's become a thing that we actually say in our house every now and then, which is just you know take the feedback, just hear it, decide what it means, um, and what you want to do with it. And there's something interesting about that. And it gets me thinking about how sort of different disciplines might think about feedback differently and how, you know, I mean, I have theater as an example. I, I would argue athletics is another example where you are getting feedback constantly and, and sometimes maybe more harshly than, than you want to hear it. Um, yeah, I routinely think, gosh, if, if any of my teachers ever talked to me the way my coaches did, I, I don't know how I'd how I'd feel about that. Um, I don't know. Is is there some truth to that? This idea that that feed that some areas may value feedback differently than other areas, or what students expect from it might be different. Um, I don't have a great answer for that, but I'm I'm sure yes. But um, I think the on the individual basis, you, the actor needs to realize, because I think some actors are going to respond to it differently. And in some of Carol's research, she presented different athletes like, um, oh, who's the tennis player? Mac and Mac, whatever. Mac and Roe. Mac and Roe. Yeah. How he was famous for his temper tantrums or when he did poorly blaming it on people, he showed a very fixed mm. mindset that it was it was this person's fault. It was this situation's fault, you know, and he would very externalize it and never be like, OK, what could I have done differently? And maybe I should go practice this technique more or, you know, it was very his self-esteem was very threatened by any time he didn't perform well and, you know, look for other external relations for that whereas other people will be like wow i just missed that shot i'm gonna stay three hours extra and keep practicing that shot you know kind of a thing mm -hmm. would be more the growth mindset trying to, to mm -hmm. take that and, and so there's going to be these individual differences but and looking at the sports thing they tend to get so much of the the they're you're a natural this person's such a natural and there's so much of that mm -hmm. fixed mindset even in the positive arena too so like all the messaging there's so much messaging coming into them um, so that just seems so overwhelming. You'd have to have thick enough skin to handle yeah. all of that, but also your own strong enough sense of growth mindset to be responding to it in a beneficial way too. Well, and the emotionality of the moment probably dictates to some degree, I mean, has to dictate to some degree how how ready you are to take feedback, right? It, it, it you know, getting feedback right after a loss is different than looking at game tape the next day and being able to process what errors you made and, and things like that. And, you know, that, 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 that probably drives how receptive you are. And I think acknowledging the emotions that go along with 
challenges and failure uh, is really an important piece uh, to this. And so uh, the person giving the feedback or the person along the journey of the challenge, like in a team kind of sport, acknowledging emotions and like, and saying, you know, like, yeah, I understand that you are feeling some strong emotions right now. So why don't we, we talk about this tomorrow, <laughs> you know, and, and just acknowledging that because it's not like if you have a growth mindset, you don't feel disappointed right, or frustrated or sad or mad or like whatever, whatever the emotion might be. It's not like you're, you're so awesome, like in your growth that you're like, wow, I'm going to take that win and just learn from it. Like in the moment, it's terrible and right. you don't enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And even before you get to that opportunity, though, the fixed mindset might prevent you from even engaging in the challenge to begin with. Right. So a lot of times, they, a lot of differences were shown between if you have a fixed mindset, this is hard, I give up, like, you know, like the examples we kind of mentioned from our experiences. And if that growth mindset, like, oh, this is hard, cool. I wonder what I'm gonna learn from this. In Carol Dweck's original study, she went to fourth graders, so 10 year olds and gave them puzzles that were specifically too hard for them intentionally. They were just kind of over their head. And <clears throat> some of them would, would say like, oh, this is you know too hard, I don't like it. And then she would offer them more. They're like, no, I don't want that. Why would I do more of that? That was awful. And other kids were like, oh good, this is challenging. And one of, my, one of her uh, children that she worked with, there was a quote saying, oh good, I was hoping this would be informative. I'm like, I want to meet that 10 year old, but <laughs> like people who seek out like, yes, this is challenging. I want to do it. Like I want to keep competing because I want to keep testing myself and growing myself and work with people who are better than me and learn from them. You know, so whether or not you actually even seek out that challenge is already going to be dictated and how threatened you are by other people's success. I think that's really interesting too. Like if you have a fixed mindset and you see someone else doing really well and excelling, that's threatening to you. You're jealous. You're envious. That makes you feel bad. You'd rather see people doing worse than you and compare yourself to them because that protects that self-esteem again. Whereas in growth mindset, you see someone doing awesome. You're like, I wonder if they would mentor me. I wonder if I can get some tips from them. I wonder if I could, you know, follow their model in some way so I could also be that good, you know? So it's just really different orientations to the challenge and the competition from the get-go. Okay, so I feel like the, the stars have aligned for me to ask this question because uh, I, I read during your intro that you love or at least you enjoy languages. And I, this summer, have decided to try and learn Spanish. Now, I'm going to preface this by saying um, I really struggled with languages when I was growing up. Um, it was I, I took six years of Spanish. I, I failed in a spectacular way um, to to do well. And so I, I have already this summer, I would argue, I know more now than I did after six years in junior high and high school. Mm -hmm. So that said, um, and I and I feel I mean, th there's sort of two conflicting pieces here going on. First is I, I would argue I have more of a growth mindset now. I feel more confident in a lot of ways in my ability to learn and, and, and that stuff. But the, uh, the, the converse of that is I also know it's harder now in a lot of ways than it would have been then. Um, and so it, it got me thinking. I mean, I just, I think my brain doesn't work the way it did when I was, when I was 13, you know, and um and so I, I am find myself having to put a lot more effort into it now than I would have uh, back then. 
I guess my question is, how does, do we see when it comes, when we talk about growth mindset, we talk about early development oftentimes, but what about later life development and how, how does it change over as people uh, live? And also to what degree, I mean, there are things that you, as you get older, that you can't do, or that are just much, much, much harder to do. And I feel like when you have that growth mindset, you're just not going to give up because it's harder. Whereas somebody else might say like, oh, it's harder to learn language when you're an adult. So I just won't try. Mm -hmm. You know, you're already passing a test by even trying with that. Um, So we're going to have highs and lows and it's a spectrum. It's going to be dynamic and changing as we have experiences and as we have have success with things and stuff and across different domains. Um, I don't know if there's a specific developmentary tract as far as we're more likely to be, you know, growth mindset at different Mm -hmm. age groups, I, I think it's gonna be much more individualistic with all the messaging you're receiving and the success you've had. If you've, you know, do have a growth mindset and you're working towards something and you're succeeding, your confidence is growing because you persisted and persevered. So that's going to be building that muscle for you that you're going to keep being a more persistent, persevering person. Um, but, you know, it is going to be more challenging and you know that now, and maybe you expected things to come easy when you were younger, as many mm-hmm. of us do. <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> if, if you've had a life where things that did come easy and you hit something hard, that's where you're going to find out. Is that when you're going to quit or not quit? But if you seek out those challenges, that's already telling you something. I have not had a sign language class in five years. And in my little uh, home with kids and COVID bubble, whatnot, I have had no opportunity to sign. Then I recently had to do a video chat with a deaf professor and I was frozen in fear and could not perform at all because I was so stressed by it. So actually in two weeks, I'm headed up to the Lions camp in Wisconsin. It has a deaf weekend that is all sign language all weekend, no speaking aloud. It's half deaf people, half interpreters and students and stuff. Mm. I'm so out of practice. I should definitely not do this. It is so beyond my comfort zone, but I am for- I signed up last night. I'm like, I'm going. Whether I want to or not, I'm going to force myself to do it because it will benefit me so much. And it, you know, it's not going to be as bad as I think it's going to be. So like, so when you do stretch yourself, like there's no, if there's no challenge, there's no change. So if you're not challenging yourself, you're going to be right where you are. And for sign language, I'll get worse and worse if I'm not actually getting that practice. So, you know, it, it takes some growth mindset to even try and engage in those things instead of just ruling it out as nope, that would be hard. So I'm not even going to try. So and I think that that's what leads to success, really, like in the uh, Dweck's growth mindset uh, research, although, you know, it's not always the, leads to success, but I think it's the perseverance that if you keep trying different things and challenging yourself, eventually you will find success, not in everything. <laughs> and so it's possible that Ryan will never be able to speak Spanish, um, but he will find success either in that or other things that he's willing to try and to challenge himself. And so I think that there's often a misconception, maybe from a fixed mindset, that if I just do this growth mindset thing, I will be successful in everything. And that is actually the opposite (laughs) of the growth mindset that you have to realize that you won't be successful in all things, but persevere and keep trying and you will find success in some things. 
and perseverance is success in some ways too. Like that, that's winning. If you keep trying, like that is the biggest lesson. I remember one of my first professors in graduate school said, if I would get a tattoo, I would get perseverance across my chest because it is the most important thing to get through grad school is you just have to keep taking the next step and taking that bouncing back from setbacks and just keep taking the next step. So you might not get a trophy at the end, but by continuing your journey is succeeding and you don't have to do every, you know, Spanish till the day you die, but you know, having explored that was stretching yourself and then you can move on to the next thing if you want. I'm also learning Italian right now, just for the heck of it to justify a trip to Italy. I figure if I can, <laughs> if I can get like 500 days in a row practice, practicing on Duolingo, then I earn myself a trip, I figure. <laughs> if only nice. plane tickets arrive for that for that. Very good. Yeah, I it's funny. I was gonna say about your your trip to the the sign sign language camp. I, I worked down the hall from our Spanish, the chair of our Spanish department and I'm at a point where I'm legitimately scared she's gonna find out I've been trying to learn Spanish because I don't want I don't want her to to quiz me when I walk past her in the hallway. So at some point I'll be ready for that. Just not yet. So yep. All right. The power well, of yet. Yeah, we uh, yes, the power of yet. Actually, let's touch on that quick because that is Dweck, we missed that TED talk, correct? Yes, yeah. Dweck points out the power of the word yet. Uh, she refers to a college, uh, high school, I think, in Chicago that if you haven't passed the class instead of getting an F, you get a, a not yet. Meaning, mm -hmm. we're, it's not that you're done and you fail it. It's just you still have to keep working on it. So she embraces the power of yet as you know, the, the way to fight against the fixed mindset. You're not good at basketball. You're not good at basketball yet. Just adding that one word changes the mindset. And I noticed my kid came home from school the first two days and he definitely has a fixed mindset and the teacher sent home growth, growth mindset worksheets with him. That's a growth mindset across the top. And he had to list like, I can do this. I can play piano. I can swim and I can do something else. And he had to list something he couldn't do. And it said, yet afterwards like i can't do it yet so nice. uh, the power of that word yet kind of reframes it for us all this has been so fabulous and i'm sad that we have to finish up here but thank you so much mccray for taking the time to talk with us today any final thoughts before we uh before we call it quits here just you're not the person you're going to be yet just keep trying keep persevering Thank you. I needed to hear that for my uh, my Spanish progress. Everything felt great at first, and then uh, and then it got hard. Um, and and all of a sudden, I'm starting to. I I did. I admit, have moments where I started to question: Is my brain capable of this at the age of whatever, forty six? I think maybe forty seven. One of those two. Um, so, uh, so where am I at with that? Um, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. And I, I think this is valuable. I love unpacking concepts like this that um, people understand, but maybe don't understand as fully as they need to. And this has been really great. Um, G, any final thoughts before we finish up? Uh, just everybody have a great start to this uh, new season, this new school year, uh, and try your best to put the word yet on everything that you're doing uh, and persevere. Right. And if you are not following us on social yet, you should start uh, by going to at Psych and Stuff on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's a good place to ask questions, request topics for episodes, contribute to our, uh, our segments, things like that. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter uh, and actually Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. That's at Anger Professor. 
Georgina, what's your handle in the various places? I'm at Georgina WD, so G-E-O-R-J-E-A-N-N-A-W-D. Excellent. Thank you so much for being here. Psychology and Stuff is a production of Phoenix Studios at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. The executive producer is me, Ryan Martin, and the production manager is Rachel Scray. Our audio production coordinator is Bill Salick. Our graphic designer is Kimberly Vlees. Special thanks to our guest, Dr. McRae Houston. If you haven't already, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. You can also head over to our website, uwgb.edu slash podcast to check out past episodes of this and all our shows. I'm your host, Ryan Martin, and I'm here with my co-host, Georgina Wilson-Dungess. Keep being amazing. Mm-hmm.